Alright, uh, good afternoon everyone. Welcome to do 2XM, Multicultural Youth Radio Program. You are live with Malul, Dan, Bull. Hello. So, uh, this show is about diversity, achieving goals and sharing experiences, and it's about multiculturalism too. Uh, today we will be interviewing Ella, former journalist, lived and worked in India. Yeah. Now lives in Canberra. Yeah, I think it's Indonesia. Indonesia. <laughs> yeah, we've got, we've got some nodding in the back, so, yeah. yeah. I'm learning Indonesian too. So, uh, what's been happening, guys? Well, Julia Gillard won the election. Big news. Are you happy with that? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. It was a, uh, kept, kept us waiting. Yeah, quite a while. Yeah. It's been a long time. And, and do you think the government will go for the whole three years, or do you think uh, it'll collapse before then? Nah, three years. Three years? I'm not sure about that. All right, so we a bit divided on uh, on two XFM. Um, and what what else has been happening with you, Malu? Well, school assignments and yeah, school, book. Yeah, we just did a test lately, and I think I did good. Math, science, and all that, practicing, researching. Yeah, all the school stuff. Cool, cool. So you've put some of your research skills to uh, to use today in uh, <laughs> digging up some background on our. On our interview subject. Yeah. Cool. All right. Yeah, this is uh, the Multicultural Youth Program on 2XM, and we are here with Dan, Bull, Malul, and Ella, who we are interviewing today. So, Ella, tell us a bit about yourself. Hi. So, um, yeah, my name's Ella. I'm 23. I've now been living in Jakarta, uh, sorry, in Canberra, rather, for about <laughs> eight months. It's easy to confuse the two. Oh, yeah. very similar. Absolutely. So, before I was living in Canberra, I lived in Jakarta. Um, can you tell us what you do? Yeah, so I'm now studying full-time as a student, studying law, but uh, in Jakarta I was working as a journalist. Uh, and, like, what did you have to do in Jakarta? As a journalist? Well, we worked a lot with Indonesian journalists and it's sort of helping them tell the stories in English language and helping them sort of send Indonesian news around the world to different English language countries. Um, So it involved quite a bit of travel and it depended what was happening in Indonesia. You know, like there's a lot of um, political stuff happening a lot of the time. There are a couple of elections while I was there. So another similarity with Canberra, actually. Um, and, yeah, we went, um, we travelled around a bit. and It's basically just speaking with a lot of people and finding out about their stories and finding out the best way to tell people's stories. And why did you change? Like, because you said you came to Canberra and you were a student. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you do um, journalism anymore? Or are you still doing it? I think I'd like to go back to it at some point, but I yeah. think I thought that maybe if I had another degree and something like law, then that might be able to help me go further in journalism. Yeah. I think... Um, 
journalism, like the the industry, yeah. is it's becoming a lot. Um, it's changing a lot because lots of people just get their news, you know, on the internet, yeah. you know, or on the radio as they do here. And it's not so much people getting their news from newspapers anymore. So I was working for a newspaper, and um, I was sort of thinking I wasn't sure I could see much more of a future in newspapers. But if I had another degree, I could go further with it. Mm. Uh, so why did you choose work in Indonesia and not Australia? It's funny because I never, I didn't have any real background in Indonesia and I didn't speak any Bahasa Indonesia, the language there either. So, um, but I was at university in Sydney and it came up that there was a trip to Indonesia and it was an internship for two months. And I thought, oh, that sounds pretty good and that sounds like a good thing to do over the holidays. And so I went for it and I was fortunate enough to get it and it was a really amazing experience. I was just completely blown away and I, I really loved everything about it. Um, and so while I was there, we got to study Bahasa Indonesia. And so that was very helpful once I had a bit of the language. You know, yeah. it's a lot easier to get around a place. And, um, yeah, so I finished the internship and I came back to Sydney and it was just funny because I was thinking about Indonesia every single day and I was thinking, I really want to go back. And, and when a job opportunity came up, I said, that's it, I'll, I'll come back. So. Uh, why did you want to be a, a journalist uh, at all? When I, when I finished high school, I didn't really have any idea and everyone was saying, oh, you're good at writing and, and you're good at reading. And I was like, that's so vague. You know, what do you do with that? But anyway, so I started um, at studying at university and I think I thought it was a good gig, but journalists have a pretty bad reputation sometimes. And I was like, I'm not sure this is, you know, what am I going to do in Australia? You know, would I work for a newspaper? But I think I really recognised in Jakarta the, um, you know, the advantage that you can have when you learn how to tell people's stories. You know, that's a really great skill to have and that's really important, I think. So I definitely recognise the benefit there. Uh, why a bad reputation and what do you see as reputation? Oh, I think they get a reputation of, of maybe twisting the story the wrong way and, and telling bad stories, I think. And lots of people, you know, think of journalism maybe just as like a current affair and, and today, tonight, and they think that there's not much to it. But um, I'd like to think that there's a bit more to it. <laughs> do, you, do you think good journalism can survive without that kind of, you know, that kind of a current affair and, you know, popular, popular spin? No, I don't think it can survive. I think I think that's got a role to play and that's one part of journalism, but I I like to think that, you know, journalism's pretty broad and that there's lots of different ways of telling stories and some ways are better than others. How long have you been a journalist for? Well, I finished university and I basically went straight into a job, so it was probably about 18 months that I worked full-time as a journalist. Mm-hmm. And like, um, did you ever did you ever think of doing something else instead of journalism? Well, I had thought that I maybe wanted to study law years ago when I finished high school, and then I was mm. like, no, that sounds like too much hard work. <laughs> so I didn't pursue it, and now I've ended up back at university studying law. So I probably should have listened to my parents the first time round. <laughs> so was it, was it like your parents, your friends that convinced you to be a journalist, or was it you that wanted to do it? Um, no, I think it was my I think it was my own decision. Uh, I didn't know anybody who worked as a journalist when I first started. Yeah. So I guess I didn't really have any role models in that sense, but I really liked the idea of it. Um, and I liked the idea that it was, you know, it's it's a job that you can you can work in that sort of job anywhere in the world. And so I liked the idea that you could move it around and, mm-hmm. yeah, you weren't going to be stuck in Australia. Uh, besides the language, uh, what was the challenges and... Uh experiences living in Indonesia? Um, there's so many. Um, it's a, 
it's a very difficult place because obviously, you know, I'm very Caucasian looking. And so I think I, I stood out a lot. And so there's an intense curiosity. Just for our listeners, we've got a, 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 a white, blonde-haired and blue-eyed Ella sitting in front of us. So. Yes. So when she says she looks very Caucasian, that's just to put that in perspective. Thank you. Yeah, that's a pretty apt description. Um, and it's, you know, after a couple of months in Jakarta, it's easy to feel very at home and, and I felt like it was home eventually. And But for a lot of Indonesian people, because you look so different, I think... Um, they they sort of see you as a as a curiosity a lot of the time, so you're constantly answering questions. Like people are like, "Why are you here? And and what are you doing? And why aren't you married?" That's probably <laughs> the question you get asked the most. Why aren't you married? And and why haven't your parents married you off yet? Um, and so that's that can get difficult at times. You know, when you just want to have a you know a relaxing day, but a lot of people are you know, asking you questions a lot and looking at you a lot, that can get a bit tiring. Mm. But, I mean, compared to the advantages of living there, it doesn't even compare. So I think overall it was a great experience. Um, how long did it take for you to fit in? <laughs> I don't think I'd ever fit in. I mean, I mean no, that, that's not true. I think learning the language was incredibly important. Yeah. And lots of people don't realise that, you know, they learn 10 words and they think that's going to help them. But generally when people start questioning and, and their curiosity gets the better of them, the one thing that helps sort of bridge that gap of difference is the language. And so if you can speak with people, then people are incredibly hospitable and friendly. So, so how long did you stay in Indonesia? So I was there 16 months and um, I was fortunate enough to come back to Australia twice in that time. And I think that was very important because they're two such different countries that you need to, um, I guess, sort of get your perspective back by coming back to Australia and realising why it is that you really want to be living away from friends and family and, yeah. Were you sponsored to Indonesia? Was I sponsored? Yeah. No, I um, I worked very hard and I worked very long hours to, um, to pay my way there. I was, I guess, on what would be described as a local salary, so... Yeah. I was paid what was not much different from what an Indonesian journalist would pay, but obviously your living expenses are very different from Australia as well. But, um, no, so I paid my own way there. And what, what kind of organisation were you with that, that uh, looks to broadcast Indonesian news around the world? It was actually an American company um, which has a pretty big presence in a lot of Asian countries but that only just started up in Indonesia uh, when I moved there. So they were starting up their new office, they needed people to fill it, and, yeah, I was willing to go. So I think that's probably why I got the job. Was there a different smell when you first stepped up the stairs? Absolutely. It hits you like a ton of bricks. It's always... I kind of grew a bit fond of it. When I'd fly back from Australia and I'd arrive in Jakarta and it was so nice and hot and humid and I'd, and it felt like coming home again, but there is always that smell. But I had friends visit me when I was there. They're like, how do you stand this? I'm like, yeah, I can't smell it anymore. <laughs> What, what was the biggest shock from a, uh, a like a professional perspective? So the difference between working in a kind of you know working over here and working over there. What what struck you the most? Um, probably this this concept that they call envelope journalism, where you turn up to maybe um, a government department or to speak with a government official, and before you go into their office to speak with them, their secretary or their their assistant will hand you an envelope, just very 
very, um, you know, very quietly. And in the envelope will be some money. And the idea is that, you know, you've received a bit of money and you'll tell a good story about the government official. And, but that's, I mean, it's very corrupt, but it's completely accepted. And lots of um, Indonesian media organisations factor that into their journalist salaries. So they'll say, okay, we'll pay you this amount in the understanding that you'll also be receiving so much from envelopes throughout the year. So that's going to, you know, supplement your salary. Kind of like a tip system for good service. Uh, yeah, a little bit, but you need to provide very good service and tell very good stories. Yeah. Um, but there was a very, within my company, there was a very strict rule that we were never to accept any envelopes because that could compromise, you know, our, our credibility. Yeah. Now, um, in, uh, I mean, we've just been through an election here in, in uh, Australia, obviously, and being in Canberra at the centre of it. Um, now, the, in Indonesia, they've got, you know, pretty, uh, what seem to be pretty vigorously contested elections. Mm. Does the, the, uh, the coverage of that within Indonesia, is that affected by that kind of, um, you know, system of envelope journalism? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are definitely, there's lots of media organisations in Indonesia that are owned by the politicians. So that sort of compromises the situation a bit because those organisations are only broadcasting good news about their politician who owns them. Um, but I mean, Indonesia is one of the largest dom- democracies in the world and it does, it, all things considered, it does a really amazing job of having very peaceful elections, which is probably the most important thing. Mm. So, as our local expert on journalism, ah, I can't say journalism. Journalism. Can you give us uh, some tips? Yes. Um, I think when you're, you know, when you first meet someone and you're trying to find out their story, you need to find out what do you have in common. Because if you can find something that you have in common with that person, mm. then they're more likely to to open up to you and and you know to be willing to answer your questions. So I think if you can relate, even if it's about something like Katy Perry, <laughs> you know that you can bond. Then yeah, it's much it's much easier to get um better answers. Um, what what kind of subjects do you need to do you need to study? To be a journalist, I actually think anyone can be a journalist. I think if you're um, if you're a good communicator, then you can be a journalist. You know, and and you know you can basically use any tools that that you have to um, you know ask people questions and and tell their stories. But I did very um, practical subjects, so I did one semester at university on radio, one on television, one on uh, on print and online media. Um, so is that your uh, general journalism? Sorry, is Asher journalism? I would say so, yes. I think if it's about telling people's stories, then, yeah, I consider that journalism. <laughs> I don't think you need a university degree. <laughs> what's, what's the... Uh, you, like, what's, what for you are the main differences between the different sorts of, of media? I mean, it's obviously, you know, one's written, one's spoken, one's, uh, one's on TV, but what, like, you know, in terms of content and the approach and, and it's how useful it is, um, tell us I about think, the difference. I um, think... You know, it's also always, like, these days it's about how fast you can get the story, you know, like how fast you can get it out to the people who are reading it or listening to it. And I think um, online media and radio have probably got that tied up a bit. You know, in print they have to wait, you know, one whole day to actually print it off and deliver the newspaper, whereas I think people want a more instant sort of communication these days. Um, but that also means that I guess with online and radio, it can be a bit more casual. You know, it doesn't have to be as formal. As long as you're getting the story out, people don't mind. 
Uh, do you have to study through university to become a journalism? Uh, to become a journalist? Yeah, journalist. No, I think if you if you like, um, you know, talking with people, then anybody can do it. I think. Uh, what is the role of a journalist? Big question. I like to think that it's a it's a big responsibility, and it's about sharing people's stories. And I think if you share people's stories, then People, this is very idealistic, but people relate to one another a lot better. Um, I think people generally only get, they only uh, dislike or become confused about things that they don't know about. So if you can help inform people, then I think that sort of makes, I don't know, I think it makes the world a better place. Without journalism, do you reckon the world would be really out of touch or just... I think so. Yeah, I um, I was talking with a guy just earlier this morning, and and he was saying that he he hates all journalists. And I said, okay, okay. So, but where do you get your news from then? You know, how do you find out about when you're in Canberra? How do you find out about news in Indonesia or anywhere else in the world? You still, you know, you might dislike them, but I think you still need to recognise that they play a big role in helping, you know, in helping inform people. Um, what kind of stories do journalists have, like? Do they tell, like, like, what kind of stories do people need from journalists? Yeah, like, is it, you know, just, is it just politics? I mean, yeah. No, I think, I think it could be about, I mean, it's about anything, you know, like we were talking in the break, you know, in, about Katy Perry earlier, and I think that can be considered a form of journalism, you know. It doesn't have to be about politics or government, you know. I think it can cover anything, you know, if it's about the environment, if it's, you know, if it's what you're interested in, I think you can share that sort of story. So if that's about, you know, music or entertainment or or comedy, then I think that's also a form of journalism. Do you think uh, when you watch the news, if you watch, the, you know, the, I don't know, 7 o'clock ABC News or, um, or on the commercial channels, you get, I think, what, you probably get about 12 minutes worth of news and then you get well, maybe 15 minutes if you're lucky mm-hmm. and you get about 10 minutes worth of sport and uh, five minutes dedicated to, you know, dedicated to weather and, uh, and, and ads. Mm-hmm. Do, you think that, do you think there's too much emphasis on sport? <laughs> I think we're stuck with that in Australia. <laughs> I think it's been written into some book called The National Culture or something. Um, I don't actually watch that much commercial news for that reason. Um, but I guess they must be showing a lot of it partly because that's what people want to see or a large number of people want to see. Mm. But I think if that's not your thing, it's good because, you know, we have a lot of options and, and, you know, you can, if you don't like Australian media, you know, you can go online and you can listen to radio online and you can access, you know, your media or your information elsewhere. And I think that's really important in Australia um, because it sometimes feels like we're very disconnected or very far away from the rest of the world. Uh, do you think, uh, do you have to give people what they want to like, hear on news? I think you have to find a balance and it's very tricky because sometimes I think you should tell people what they should know and then you've got to find the balance between what they want to know, you know, and you, some journalists get, um, they become a bit martyrish, you know, about informing the world and what you, what they always have to remember is that you have an audience or you have a readership and you have responsibilities to those people and so you cannot completely ignore what they think or what they want. So I do think you have to find that balance between what you want to share and what people want to know. 
but it's a fine line. I think it can be very difficult. What what kind of stories do you tell? Well, in Jakarta, I think it was um, it was a lot about people who they had no other way for people to share their stories. So, for example, there was um, there was a huge mud flow in Indonesia while I was there, where lots of um, Nobody died, but lots of villages and lots of towns were covered in metres of mud and these people had to move out. And it was, you know, in a country, you know, a very rural part of Indonesia. And so it's very hard for those people to get any sort of attention, you know, or, or any sort of help. And so I like to think that maybe by helping to share their stories, that brought a little bit of the world's attention to that area and, and you know, maybe there were people that could help with their situation. But it was a bit ironic, I guess, because I was working for an American media company and it was an American um, engineering company that caused the mud flow. Oh, <laughs> uh, so. you're, you're now studying, um, is it law? That's right, yeah. Yeah, why? Why, why the sun switch? Um, I think the two complement each other quite well because I think you, um, it can put you into that role of being to help other, you know, being able to help other people. So I thought they might complement each other right pretty well and I like reading and I like writing and there's certainly a lot of that involved in studying law um but I'm only one semester in so we'll we'll see how it goes uh will you ever go back to journalism I hope so absolutely um I'm not I think I'd like to go overseas again and work in journalism um but it's very hard being away from friends and family. So I needed a break. I needed to come back and, and sort of figure out really which path I wanted to pursue. But I definitely think I'll get back into journalism at some point. And um, what kind of journalism do you want to do when you go back, if you can? Well, I like the idea actually of um, working freelance, so working for myself and not having to um, work for and being able to maybe sell my stories to companies but not being restricted by working for a certain company that might have a particular agenda in mind. Um, I think that gives you the opportunity maybe to tell better stories and, and be a better journalist. But that's a very hard path to take. You know, it's very... You never know where your next pay packet's coming from. So it's difficult that way. Uh, how do you find out about jobs overseas and how do you get one? Um, I was very lucky in that I had a university lecturer who put my name up when she heard that this there was this new um, company opening up in Jakarta and they needed staff to fill the office. And so I was actually working um, in a part-time job in Sydney and I got an email from the guy in Jakarta and, and he said, oh, there's this job going and I've been given your name and are you interested in coming back to Jakarta to take a job? And I said, yeah, abs absolutely. And he said, okay, so when, when can you come? And I said, oh, maybe end of this month. And he said, uh, how about four days' time? <laughs> and I went, oh, okay. <laughs> so I quit my job that day and I rang my parents that evening and I said, oh, I'm, I'm going to come home for the weekend. And I said, oh, that's nice. What's the occasion? And I said, I'm moving overseas for two years. <laughs> mm. um, so, yeah, it was very quick and I basically finished in Sydney on the Friday and I flew out on the Sunday and I started work in Jakarta on the Monday. So it was a huge challenge, but it was definitely the best thing I ever did. So, uh, Did you ever think of returning to Australia within those two years? Yeah, lots and lots of times. It was 
a fantastic experience, but it was extremely hard. And um, the job, because of the offer, the, the company there was a new company, we worked very, very long hours. So for the first six months, it was usually six days a week, at least 12 hours a day. So it was constantly exhausted. And um, it's very easy to fall unwell in Jakarta because of the pollution and food poisoning. So you're working these 12 hour days and you're feeling pretty rubbish anyway. And so a lot of times I thought about coming home and, and my parents said, you know, like, if it's that hard, then come back. And I said, no, I've just got to stick it out. And if I can stick it out for this long, and if this is the, you know, one of the most difficult things that I have to do, then everything after this should be much easier. We're back with Ella. Today we've been talking about her experiences in Indonesia, coming to Australia, and yeah. Well, what kind of things do you do now? I study for hours and hours. Um, no, I've tried to. I've tried to get out a bit more in Canberra, but um, the cold is a bit of a shock to the system. <laughs> so, um, no. But I like. Um, I like music. I like going to a lot of concerts. I've been to a couple of concerts this year. So. Yeah, Canberra's Canberra's nonstop on the concert front. Yeah, um, they get some pretty good pretty good gigs actually. Now you you were telling us in the break that you're also, as in addition to working at uh, sorry, in addition to studying at ANU, you're also working there, and uh, seeing as this is a show about multiculturalism, it seems like uh, it's kind of on the right right theme. You're kind of forging links between uh, what students in at ANU and Asia. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so I work as a um, as a researcher for a think tank at the ANU, and um, basically it mainly covers economics uh, throughout Asia. And we get a lot of um, academics, but not Australian academics. We get academics from all around Asia writing um, articles for us to, I guess for, well, I guess for Australia and other English-speaking markets around the world to better understand these things. Um, But we're looking at planning a number of um, exchanges and so sending a student to an Asian country and I'm hoping to organise one to send a student to Indonesia where they'd hopefully get as good an experience as I did when I was there. Um... Yes, yeah, so hopefully that will happen in the near future. Because what's what's the point of the, the internship or the school that's that's organising that? Um, I think it's creating better. I mean, better ties. Ideally, we'd like to send one Australian student to Indonesia and have an Indonesian student come to Australia. Um, and I think it just opens up. It opens up your eyes to uh, you know, like the fact that world the world's you know like a much greater place than than you know what happens in Australia and I think it's very easy to get tied up with just everything that's going on in Australia so hopefully this would be able to um yeah I guess educate people to different a different way of life uh what did you do did you like call people up and tell them you're going to Indonesia or what when I found out that I had the job there yeah. yeah, it all pretty much happened on one day because um, I, I was living with some friends in Sydney so I had to go home and tell them that I was no longer going to be paying rent and that they would have to find someone else to live with them. And, yeah, as I said, I then had to ring my parents and, and let them know. Um, it was very quick and I didn't get the opportunity um, to say goodbye to everyone because I had to leave so soon. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah. So, uh, how long have you been doing that for? How long have I? been, uh, doing the uh, Indonesian, like, basically hooking up the people to Indonesia for? Uh, it's just, I've been working at the, um, Crawford School at the ANU for just a couple of months now. Um, and it's, as I said, it mainly focuses on economics, but I, I got the job, I think, because of my experience in Indonesia. 
And, yeah, so we work on... We have a couple of websites and, and they work on sort of spreading information about, you know, Asian economics, which I find to be a fascinating subject at the best of times. Um, for that kid you sent to the Indonesian, um, did you have to, like, teach him a bit about Indonesian, like, teach him some cultures, the language? At my workplace now? Yeah, like the kid that you're sending to the Indonesian. Well, hopefully. I think um, we'll basically... Uh, they'll work with us for one whole semester yeah. and we'll send them to Indonesia for two weeks at the very end of that semester. So I hope that throughout the semester they'll be able to... Um, I I think it would be good if they had some language skills, as I was saying before. I think it's really important, you know, for them to be able to communicate effectively if they can speak a little bit of Bahasa or Indonesia. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll sort of give them, a you know, like a lot of information and education about you know, various cultural things and customs in Indonesia so that it's not so much of a shock and they don't end up offending anybody. Mm-hmm. There's lots of different things in Indonesia whereby, um, you know, if, if you do something slightly wrong, you're, you're going to maybe end up, you know, offending someone. So it's good to know those things in advance. And, um, do you go to, like, other places instead of Indonesia? Do I travel Yeah, to like, other places? What, journalism, like... Because you're saying you're travelling overseas to Indonesia, do you go to other places too? Well, when I was working there, yeah, I went to uh, Malaysia quite a few times because Bahasa Melayu is actually very similar to Bahasa Indonesia. Um, So that was possible. We had to go to Malaysia a lot. Um, We went to Singapore for a few few things, but there's not so much. The uh, media is pretty controlled by the government in Singapore. So there's not that much work to do there. Um, but, no, I was very fortunate I was able to travel around that near region to Thailand and, and Malaysia quite a bit. Um, how was the technology in Indonesia? Not so great. It's a funny place because um, there's there's basically Jakarta itself, the capital of Indonesia, is covered in a Wi-Fi blanket. not quite sure that's what it's called. But basically you can access Wi-Fi from anywhere in Jakarta and that's something that the government set up but it's not very good it drops in and out and you know there's no broadband the internet's very slow so being able to call back home was um, sometimes pretty difficult to get a good line it would often cut out and it was often quite crackly so it's they've um yeah they're trying very hard and of course as soon as you leave Jakarta and you go out to the countryside there's very little infrastructure in place for the internet. Uh, time to wrap up the show. Uh, thanks, Ella, for ca- uh, coming in. Thank you very much for having talking me. Talking to us here yeah, Thank anytime. you. Uh, reminder, catch up to us on Facebook or Twitter at 2XX Multicultural Youth Radio Show or 2XX My Radio. Yeah. Um, coming up next is the Kiro, um, Kiro with the Macedonia Show program. Um, and you have been listening to 2XM. Um, stay tuned. Oh, fuck no, but, um, I think Boo, Boo, you had something to say? Nah, I forgot. If we... <laughs>